The Judgment of Paris, 1636. Peter Paul Rubens, Oil on Canvas. This is among the more popular pieces within the estate's collection of classical scenes, and it's easy to see why. It is a lively, exciting adaptation composed with great flair and energy. For those unfamiliar, Rubens paints the famous mythological story of the Judgment of Paris. As the tale goes, three goddesses, Hera, Athena, and Aphrodite, descended from Mount Olympus to pose a question to Paris, the young Prince of Troy. Which of the three of them was the most beautiful? They brought with them a golden apple from the Garden of the Hesperides, inscribed with a simple yet powerful declaration. To the fairest one. The three goddesses presented the apple to Paris, instructing him to gift it to the one whom he found most deserving of that title. He considered the three of them for a long while, eventually asking the goddesses to disrobe, to better see their beauty and loveliness, he said. The three goddesses complied. Still, he leered at them, debating their merits and detractions. To entice him into finally making a decision, the three each offered Paris a gift in exchange for his choice. Hera promised to make him king of the known world. Athena promised him wisdom and skill in warfare. And Aphrodite promised Paris the most beautiful mortal woman in the world, Helen of Sparta. Rubens paints the moment immediately following Paris' decision that Aphrodite, goddess of love and sexuality, was the most beautiful of all the immortals. It speaks to Rubens' keen eye for storytelling that he chooses to depict the exact moment of Paris' grave error, as it truly gets to the crux of the tale. The goddesses, naked and exposed as they are, do not hesitate to strike the moment the foolhardy and misogynistic decision is made. Aphrodite bats the proffered apple out of Paris' outstretched hand toward Hermes, the goddess's guide in the mortal world, as he lies in wait to catch it, having anticipated this exact moment. Athena, the strongest physically of the three, pulls the now-bewildered and terrified-looking prince into a headlock, bringing him to his knees. And Hera, queen of all the gods, stands before him, shoulders back, head held high, as she pronounces her judgment upon him in a speech most famously rendered in Homer's Iliad. Hark, mortal, you dare reduce us to the subject of your lusts? You dare pit women against their sisters, one against the other? You dare believe that your irrelevant opinion should garner you an unwilling woman? Tremble, fool, and hear your doom. His doom, as everyone knows, was that Paris would receive exactly what he had wished for. He stole Helen of Sparta away from her home, obsessed with the idea of her ever since Aphrodite put it into his head, which in turn started the Trojan War. But Helen escaped his clutches shortly thereafter, and, after rejoining the Greek troops, now armed with an intimate knowledge of the city, helped to lead the continuing assault against the walls of Troy. With her invaluable aid, the Greeks eventually won the war and left Troy and its prince Paris in ruins. Attention all Godfrey guests. Attention. We have received reports of an unauthorized band of performance artists on the third floor of the East Gallery. Please remain calm as Godfrey staff members investigate the situation. Stay clear of the area, which has been placed on lockdown. 
It is unknown at this time if the lockdown protocols were initiated by the Godfrey staff or the performance artists as part of their new avant-garde creation. For any patrons currently trapped within the third floor of the East Gallery, our deepest regrets for these unfortunate circumstances. I repeat, please remain calm and wait for the Godfrey staff to defuse the situation. Do not be tempted to play the hero. It never ends well. Should any of the performance artists approach you, do not make eye contact. But don't look like you're avoiding eye contact. They can smell the fear of audience participation from a mile away and will pounce on the first nervously shifting guest they see. The Godfrey staff recommend the following tactics to help avoid their notice. Continue walking through the third floor as if nothing has happened. Sit down and pretend to sketch the collection item nearest to you. Actually sketch the collection item nearest to you. Your composition skills won't improve on their own, you know. Tie and untie your shoelaces over and over and over again. Even when you think you are done, do it some more. 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 Pull out your map, hold it upside down, and look very confused by it. Pretend to be asleep on one of the gallery benches. Actually fall asleep on one of the gallery benches. Whistle every bird call that you know. We can't promise that any of these tactics will save you from the performance artist's clutches, but it's worth a shot. We will provide updates as the situation develops. Irises, 1889. Vincent van Gogh, Oil on Canvas. One of Van Gogh's most recognizable paintings, his post-impressionist style makes the scene more heightened, more vivid than reality could ever be. The irises of the title dominate the image. Most are painted a vivid blue that borders on violet, but others are varying shades of brown, green, gray, amber, and even a scattering of hazel ones tucked deeper into the painting. They seem to overwhelm the canvas and its frame, their multitude so vast that they defy quantification. Notice the attention to detail in the pupils at the center of each and every iris. Notice the black pinpoints at the center of the taller ones, those which bask in bright, direct sunlight. Compare it to the pupils of the shorter irises, and the ones clearly painted in shadow. Those pupils, by contrast, are wide, dilated, dark suns encased by many-colored coronas. Each eye is unique, not just in color and size, but in the positioning of it, its physical personality, if you will. Some stand tall, reaching with tenacity and determination for the light that both feeds and blinds them, the stalks of their optic nerves steady and unbending. Some droop, heavy lids obscuring some or all of the eye, their stalks bending under the heavy weight of unconsciousness and dreams unknown. Some give an impression of amusement, or of shyness, of surprise. Some evoke a sense of fear within them, most notably the few that stare directly out at you, the viewer. There is alarm in these eyes, as if they had just been intruded upon during a quiet moment. Which, I suppose, they have. Though the painting is famous, and deservedly so, for these eyes which seem so lifelike that they could almost roll off the canvas and into the halls of this museum, I wish to draw your attention to the lower half of the foreground. 
The optic nerve stalks, painted green to give the impression of flowers sprouting from the ground, do not, in fact, spring from the earth. At least, not entirely. If you look closely at the ground, you will see the delicate impression of faces in the earth, sculpted by a deft and caring hand. Such is Van Gogh's talent that the contours of these visages are not immediately distinguishable from the natural contours of soil in a well-tended garden. But look closely, and you will find them out for what they are. Each iris, each pupil, each nerve and stalk stems, quite literally, from the two concave hollows in these faces beneath the ground. Each and every one as unique as their eyes. So many of them. Their number so vast that they, too, defy quantification. Thank you for listening to the Godfrey Audio Guide. This episode was written, produced, and performed by Nicole Knudsen, with sound design and editing by James Ferrero. Enjoying your trip to the estate? To keep up with The Godfrey, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Godfrey Guide. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on your podcasting app of choice. If you're interested in becoming a sustaining member of the show, make sure to visit our Patreon page, patreon.com slash thegodfreyaudioguide. In addition to our various membership tiers, you'll also find full episode transcripts for any who wish to read them. Until next time, friends, see you back at the museum. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.